y'all get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. I am one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, uh, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., uh, promoter, event planner, all-around good guy, and mentor, and best friend of this guy that I'm going to introduce, Mr. Leonard Young. Yep. Uh, good evening. Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guide. DelawareBlack.com, Black Media Specialist, all-around good guy. How's it going, Dave? All right, Mentor, man. Huh? All right. Mentor? Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, okay. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Well, well, Everybody no, so now the, hears that. huh? No, the, the, the really had a question mark on the end of it, not an explanation point. <laughs> this sounds like a question mark to me. It sounds <laughs> like that you were just uh, verifying what you've always known. That guy is my mentor. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> all right. But how are you doing, sir? Everything good? Good, good. See, no, see no like complaint. I haven't talked to you in a long time, Mr. Leonard Young. Yeah, Dave. I mean, you you don't be calling me. You know? <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I almost, uh, I was looking around on the road, man. I was looking for a guy who was building a boat because all I've been seeing <laughs> is rain lately. I know. You know? Yeah. I mean, the rain has been crazy. No, cr- crazy, crazy. And, you know, to tell you a funny story, I was coming back from Lower Delaware on Sunday. And um, let, let me say, has this ever happened to you? You'll be driving somewhere. You'll have the directions in your phone and it reroutes you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK, so it rerouted me off of Route 1 onto this side street. And I, I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, a mile, two miles. It redirected me from uh, south of Dover all the way to Wilming, uh, all the way to Newcastle County, all back roads, right? So I'm riding through the back roads and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make time. I'm trying to hurry and pick up my kids before six o'clock. And on the back roads, about every mile, there's a puddle that gets a little deeper and deeper <laughs> and deeper. And I finally get to this one place where... I see all these cars going through and they, I can't, you know, this had to be, it had to be a good foot, maybe a foot and a half. Cause I, I could see the truck's tires and I decided not to do it. And I had to back up. Um, I literally backed up for about a mile because that's how many cars were behind me trying to get to it. And I was like, you know what, when it's raining like that, I'm never going to go off the track because, you know, and, unless, it, unless they're like major roadways because they put you on these side roads and I mean, th- th- there was clearly flooding. So um, I just want that to be a note to everybody listening. Yeah. It, well, like, I mean, it's it's crazy because it had to be. I mean, when you think about all the rain that we've had yeah. over the last two weeks, uh, when I left to go to work this morning, uh, I went past, uh, I was on Salem Church Road going past Christiana High School. Mm-hmm. And they had, a, um, they had a, 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 about, two foot of water over there in their bus port area. Oh, wow. And, uh, I believe it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was like, man, this is crazy, you know, because it had just rained when I left here this morning. It had just rained, you know, so, um, but I guess we can't, I guess the vegetation can't complain about the not having enough water because they've had enough water around here. Oh, yeah. That's know, definitely. So. 
How's everything else? Everything else good? I mean, um, ain't ain't no use in complaining because nobody really cares anyway. But yes, okay, All everything's right. well, good. Well, uh, you know, well, I'm glad to hear that, sir. You know, because I'm, you know, never know when I'm going to talk to you. But um, so, but I hope everything <laughs> is. I hope everything is is going to continue to be good for you, and that uh, that we're able to uh, continue your good streak for you. Okay, all right, oh, yeah, definitely, and and right. and you too, Dave. <laughs> okay, all right, I, I know, but um, no, but nothing. I mean, nothing new is going on. Uh, nothing big. I'm still waiting, and I'm still waiting for uh, Leonard to. Get, you know, everybody, we've been talking about this campground that Leonard and his, and his wife then bought. You know, we're waiting for this big grand opening. You know, when we going to do the grand opening, man? So, you know, Dave, our, our guests can probably tell you this is what's called building suspense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, right right, right now, we're, we're building suspense with the campground. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I don't know. We, 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 we might have to have a certain... Uh, our our guests to uh, come down and and, and do some special uh, hurry up magic for you. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we <laughs> we we would love that. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Well, speaking of our guests, since uh, we kind of hinted around that we do have <laughs> guests and everything, uh, let's go ahead and get into the show because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read the bio and tell everybody who we have on tonight? Sure. So, so tonight we have um, two magicians, Victor and Diamond Cephas, and they have performed all over the world, including Stuttgart, Germany, Pusan, Korea, Canada, down to New Zealand. They were Royal Caribbean's headliner on several of their ships, and they opened for. Jim Carrey, Jay Leno, Dennis Miller, to name a few. But Japan was one of their biggest markets, and they loved it there. As far as some of their accolades, they were the first Americans to win the NHK Best Act for Act by the um, for TV by the Japanese Broadcasting Association. They also won several awards from the International Brotherhood of Magicians as well as the Society of American Magicians. Uh, one of the questions that they always get is, do, do they or did they work in Las Vegas? And the answer is yes. They were the first Black couple to work on the Las Vegas Strip in their own show called The Soul of Magic. Uh, that show ran three years, and they worked many of the hotels there, including Bally's, The Golden Nugget, Lady Luck, the Plaza, the Riviera, the Flamingo, to name a few. And they also, um, and they still work with some of the producers in California and the historic famous Magic Castle. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Victor and Diamond Cephas to the show. Greetings, hey. how are you? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't wrote that better myself. <laughs> right um so you know definitely want to thank you to the show and um you know i would definitely say you know i i think what you do is truly amazing because you know there are a lot of different acts and you know i'm, I'm glad to see that black people are uh, excelling in all different type of um endeavors but can you tell us how, how did you get started in magic 
Well, um, it, it's actually a two two part story, really, because I got in magic, you know, but then later on in life, I met my wife and then got her involved in it and stuff. But the the main thing of what sparked my interest was that box of cereal tricks are for kids, you silly rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a magic trick inside. There it was a little um, vanishing nickel. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, rem- I remember I, that. I remember yeah, that. Yes, yes. I had to put it together and everything and, and it worked fine. And so I would carry that with me and, you know, take a person's nickel, put it in, vanish it, then bring it back and stuff. And then somebody would normally say, okay, you know, do something else. But that's all I had. You right. know? So then basically I told my parents that I wanted to get one of those air hockey games and a magic kit. Since we weren't that rich, uh, Christmas time is only that magic kit underneath there. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I learned, learned how to do all the magic that was in that box, and that's that's what I did. Got you. So you know, I guess starting in, in what what age would you say that was at roughly? Um, basically seven. I was bitten by the bug, but ten is when I really started, you know, figuring things out and 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 going to the magic shop. My grandmother used to take me down to the magic shop. And stuff because uh she originally told me to go to a library and find you know find magic books mm-hmm. and so um they didn't really have any good ones all the books they really had were really by um, um biographs you know of Houdini and right. people like that and stuff and um then we found a magic shop and the guy's name was Tex and uh he kind of took me under his wing and just taught me you know uh the best kept secrets were in books and um and it was cool. I mean, he was a great guy, you know. Um, you know, it was it was cold back then, you know. Okay. And then how like what was the reaction that you got from a lot of your family and friends? Did they kind of feel like it was a, a hobby? Um, did they kind of feel like one of the things where it's like, okay, you know, put down the magic, you know, let let's do some real stuff, or were were they pretty supportive <laughs> of you <laughs> a lot? And then, you know, the, the only reason I say that, because you know, I think a lot of times as kids. You know, there's things that we fall in love with and because other people don't understand them, they kind of, you know, they shoot them down. They yeah. kind of discount them. Well, yes. And, and yes and no. Um, the reason I said this because my grandmother was and my aunt Bert was very supportive of me doing magic. My my aunt Bert would um, have all these like little uh, get together party type things. So, I mean, I would come in from a basketball game or something. And she would call me up and say, are you doing anything? I'm, no, I just, just got in. She said, well, come over to the house and do some magic for us. <laughs> and, okay. And I'll grab my little bag. And she only lived two blocks from me. Right. <laughs> you know, run over there and it was, you know, do, you know, my cards, my coins, you know, all the stuff that I, that I would do. And then, um, so she was very supportive. Both, you know, like I said, both of those very supportive. My, my father, um, on the other hand, you know, Fathers being fathers, you know, when he saw me getting, you know, older into it, you know, he was like, can't feed your family with that. You need to pray, you know, you got to, you know, you got to do something. But um, I kind of agreed with that. And so, you know, when my um my grandmother and I'm two, and so um I got into electromechanical drawing. And um I, I never knew that it would go as far as it did because um that's basically where where my wife com- comes in at um we were basically dating and stuff and um i wound up going out to california helping my parents drive and stuff and I had some issues with 
my basketball coach at Texas A&M. And so I was going to try to transfer in the class that I had at Orange Coast College was a magic class. I'm like, mm. this is an easy A. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that class actually introduced me to a group called the Long Beach Mystics. And so um, they are actually a very famous group, which I didn't know at the time, they produced more professionals out of any of the magic groups that were basically in the world. And so um, I got hooked up with them. We were we were dating and stuff. And so I asked, uh, she had actually didn't even know I was doing magic at the time. And uh, she saw some cards on my dresser. She said, what are those? And you know, I'm like, cards, I, I do magic. She said, you don't do no magic, you know, you know, you know women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had been dating for like a year. And then he's going to spring it on me that he's a magician. And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Not at all. At all. Yes, I had to, I had to <laughs> blow her away. And then, you know, she, you know, she said, well, don't you, you have an assistant? You know, she peeping me out now. You look, you, you have an assistant? I'm like, yeah, I do. Oh, who? I'm like, you. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I got volunteered 41 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. So that that's basically how, you know, we, you know, how we got together and stuff. And um, that was it, you know. My family was not really into the magic thing, you know. When they were thinking magic, they were thinking, you know, black magic and voodoo right. and all that stuff. And then when they actually saw our show, then they're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is cool. This is nothing, you know, crazy or anything like that, you know. Gotcha. So so I guess Diamond, um and 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 uh Victor, you kinda answered because you know, I was gonna I, I wanted to know what that introduction was where, you know, you told her she didn't you did magic and you know, kind of what her reaction was. But you know, Diamond, from your point of view, um, you know, coming into it. And, you know, I guess kind of being assistant slash partner slash, you know, relationship person, um, did you kind of see stuff that you were able to kind of bring to his show or, you know, you know, and, and honestly, because a lot of time entrepreneurs are in our solo world. So other people bring us ideas and we're like, oh, you know, I didn't think about that or, you know, now I'll pass. So, you know, when he brought magic to you, like, how did you see yourself working your way in there? I had no clue. <laughs> I, I was totally green. I had never saw any magic before, you know, or seen anyone do magic. Yeah, Doug Henning. Was, that was after we were together. Though. No, no, no. You said you, you saw Doug Henning in New York. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but I was totally green. I didn't know how to walk on stage, didn't know how to carry myself, <laughs> you know, the way that, you know, it's going to make me the distraction at the time that I needed to be the distraction. My timing was not there. We had a really, really great um, guy in the magic club who took me basically under his wing and he taught me how to walk. He taught me how to stand. You know, he would be like, you're, you're slouching. You need, you need to sit up. Um, you need to walk this way. And, do, and he would get up on stage and just twitch and stuff. It was so funny. But he's a straight he, guy. He taught me everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. He's like, okay, you gotta make sure you're looking at this particular point during this one. 
you're the distraction on this particular trick. So you need to make sure you're moving and doing, you know, something to give them just a little bit of a, a heads um, up so that, you know, I can draw the eye for that hot second. Right. Complete his trick and, you know, and do what he needs to do. But he was a great teacher. I, you know, I call him my dad. Um, I just can't say enough about, you know, Doug Ferguson. He was the one that, that taught me how to be diamond, how to be an assistant. Um, because sure. nobody else did, because nobody else had any women assistants. They gotcha. had, you know, either they you were a dancer yeah. or the the kids who were in our club, you know, because we were 19 and 21 um, at this magic club. Um, they didn't have, you know, girlfriends. I was like the only <laughs> assistant. Yeah. So I, I had nothing to go on. All I knew was that he wanted an assistant and I was it. So, right. Doug stepped in and, and helped us and helped me and I give him all the credit. Gotcha. And now what what type of challenges did you face as being black uh, magicians? Did you find it kind of, and I'm, I'm sure that there were some challenges that the white magicians didn't face. Can you kind of speak on, you know, maybe some of your early days before you were really established, you know, some of the struggles? Talking about today. Which they still currently. Yeah. <laughs> they don't go yeah. away. Yeah. They don't go they away. Don't yeah. Yep. They don't go away. We we just thank the people who um believed in us to give us the opportunity to be able to show our skills and look past our color. Mm-hmm. And um and really Japan was one of those markets that you know if people could really believe that or not. You know, um Japan was great, absolutely great to us. Um I'll give you a, a real funny story that is amazing because we, we were there. We had our own show. Um, there was a dance, uh, a couple of Daggio team that was in it and stuff. And we were, where we performed that's called an onsen, which is like a hot bath, you know, because they had volcanic. The place there, the river ran hot, but still fish still be swimming in the river. People would boil their eggs and potatoes there and stuff. It's amazing. Oh, that's wow. an amazing place. If we're doing our show. And this guy, and a lot of the time they wear robes. So this guy gets up, walks down the aisle, then throws something. And I dodge it. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. I <laughs> gets up, he throws something. I'm like, what's going on here? Another guy gets up, he throws something. I'm like, damn, so she's not coming out. <laughs> Why should I come out? Yeah, like, come I'm like, they hate us. I yeah. so, early got into the show. Yeah, and I, I, I looked down on the floor. I said, you're throwing money. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? so I give him the little hand gesture. Come on, keep throwing it, baby. Yeah. Hold, hold, hold on. What, uh, what, what was it, dollars or coins? See, the thing is, their $5 is a mm. coin. Gotcha. Then they wrap their 10s and 20s, which are bills. And so they would twist it, you know, like a Hershey's Kiss type of thing. Wow. And, right. they were and I'm like, man, so it was like $150. <laughs> <laughs> so japan has a special place i'm gonna say in both our hearts man you know it, it was it was amazing being there and they treated us really nice so now now tell us about the what the nhk best act award by the uh, japanese broadcasting association well that there we were actually in um long beach um, before that show was an awesome show, 
awesome show. Doug Henning was on that show with us. Yeah. So I got you, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think Leonard knows who Doug Henning is. Uh, well, Doug Henning was. I know who Doug Henning is. Magic before David Copperfield. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, he, he had his specials and everything else and everything. He was re- really, really loved by everybody. He had, he had a hippie attitude mm-hmm. about him and stuff. And so he was actually on the show and stuff. But we, we competed um, in that, in their competition. And, uh, and I actually, we actually saw the trophy over on the side. We didn't know what it was or anything. We saw it over on the side and stuff. And the uh, thing was about, um, let me take it back because this actually this actually answers one of your earlier questions. Mm-hmm. At um, we were going for the gold medal, but the gold medal was handed out the year before, of course, by a person, a white person, and so we killed. We had to stand an ovation, and so it, like I said, it was it was an amazing show that we, that we had and stuff. And so um, the judges got together and stuff and all of a sudden decided that we weren't good enough to win the gold medal because they just gave it out the year before, which is nowhere, no place in the rule book says that. You can't give it out two, to, two years ago. Right. And so um, we were standing up there, you know, on stage, everything, and they announced that this year they're not handing out the gold medal and the people booed and stuff <laughs> and everything. Cause they knew, like I said, we were, we were hot, man. Right. Um, and then we we're kind of like just looking over on the side at each other and stuff, you know, saying that, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And they introduced um, this Japanese man. I wish I could remember his name. And um, he started talking, you know, in some broken English and stuff. And then he said, Victor and Diamond. And Diamondo. I'm, yeah, Diamondo. <laughs> I'm like, did he just call us? And so we went up, and that was the award. And we still, you know, have the award, you know, in in one of the spare bedrooms and stuff, um, up and everything. But um, a good friend of ours who just passed away, named Max Maven, gave us the history on that because we didn't know anything about it. He's like, man, he said they gave out this award. Every year, you're the first Americans ever to win this award. And what's really neat about it is that it's actually a design in a question mark in every 90 degree angle. Wow. Kind of like looks like this weird blob, but when you turn it, 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 it forms itself into an upside down question mark. When you turn it again, it's a right question mark. And so it's just a really cool, you know, looking piece, but it, you know, we're very honored. And I still, you know, admire and honor that award, you know, still today. Awesome. Sure. And, and, and I, my, my last question before I let my partner, you know, um, ask his questions, what, what are some of the joys that y'all have shared kind of working together? You know, I, I know entrepreneurship being, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, talents are, you know, sometimes it's hard to work with the partner, but like, what are some of the joys y'all have shared, you know, doing magic together? Well, when we first got together, I told him that he could not afford me. And that is exactly what he did. He took me around the world. Um, we're actually, the last 12 years, we've been going back. 
<clears throat> to all of the places that we had enjoyed and during our magic trip, uh, magic career, and we are now being tourists and we're <laughs> back around the world um, to see all of the places that we've missed because we were there, but we saw the airport, we saw right. the hotel, we saw the venue, <laughs> and we saw, right. the hotel, we saw the airport. <laughs> so we were never able to be any place, you know, for any kind of length of time, unless we had a three month contract or a six month contract to do something, but um, all these little sh short shows, you know, it was a couple of days and you didn't see anything. So um, on our 30th anniversary, we decided to go back and be tourists to all the places that we had um, performed and never got to see the sites. So we've been doing that for the last 11 years, so. Oh, wow, awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's actually great, yes, I, definitely. I, I, we have a, a very different type of relationship. I mean, so it's a, it's a great question that you ask because, you know, a lot of our friends, you know, they're on their second and third marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and actually when this airs, you know, it will be our 41st wedding anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun to, we, we challenge each other in a very different way and stuff because, you know, I know performer, like she told you, she, she's green and she doesn't really know performers. And so she would say to me when I, I come up with an idea and I'm like, okay, this, I'm going to do this, 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 this is going to work like this. She's not going to be, ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> ain't going to work. Oh, this is going to work. So then we get out there and we do it and stuff. And then she see them applauding and everything. I said, you make me sick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I told you it's going to work. <laughs> and also, when we, have, like, um, when we used to have like the group meetings and stuff and um, it was basically to throw your ideas and everything out there. I was always the guinea pig because I didn't know anything about magic and they all had grew up in the magic club and um, I would be the guinea pig. So I would be basically the audience because I wasn't there to critique them. I wasn't there to um, pull anything apart or give any ideas. It was just, my opinion was just the entertainment value of it. Right. Whether or not it was, you know, good enough for an audience. So um, I always tell the young magicians, I'm like, hey, if you don't want my honest opinion, don't show me a magic trick if it's not ready. I'm going to give you my opinion right. on what I saw or anything like that. So um, they know, uh, come clean when you come with Diamond. She rip them. I, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have the patience, you know, you got to come clean. Because, you know, they ripped us when we yeah. were younger. You know, we would go in with our little act and then they would sit there and critique it and rip it all up and say, okay, come back next week with something better. You know, work on this, work on that, do that. And that's how we got good, you know, is by, you know, just repetition, doing yep. it in front of the video camera at the time and then doing a whole bunch of little shows that we weren't really getting paid for, but it was in front of an audience. And that was right. the test to make sure that it was entertaining as well as you know magical we even did open mic nights yeah wow wow okay well uh leonard are you finished yes yeah i know i know I'm, look i was trying to be nice and let him get all these little questions out <laughs> and, you know he was you know he was trying to he you know he was trying to bring he was trying to bring the heat a little bit you know but 
I'm getting ready to take it to the hood. <laughs> That's what I'm getting ready to do, you know. So uh, I don't know if people were listening when Leonard was doing the bio. Um, um, Leonard and kind of mentioned that Victor uh, went to AI Dupont High School. So in the bio, it didn't say where Victor. You didn't say where Victor was from, did you? Uh, no, oh. I didn't. No. Okay. All right. How do you not say that? Be- because <laughs> I'll try, I, Dave. I'll try and save. For, I'll try and save it for you. Oh, okay. There you go. He's All right. Good. Look, yeah. look. If you guys haven't guessed by now, Victor Cephas is from Delaware. Okay, and his last name is Cephas. So if you if you're from Wilmington, folks, you know the Cephas family. Oh my God, do you know the Cephas family? There's so many of them. And look, look. At one time when I was coming up, man, I would I would walk down one block. Hey, what's up, Steve? I go to another block. Hey, what's up, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be that many of them. You know, I went to church with them. I went. I mean, they were everywhere. You know, so. Um, but um, I actually met Victor in high school, and uh, he, uh, <laughs> you know. He he told the little story about the the coin in the trick box in the tricks box, you know, and so forth, and doing the little magic or whatever. Now, Victor <laughs> used to walk around doing these little tricks in high school, and I just remember saying to myself, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> You know, what is he doing? You know, everybody be sitting there. Vic Walker, it'd be lunchtime. Vic be walking up, doing these little tricks or whatever. And every, I'll be like, um, is there something wrong with that guy that he's doing these tricks or whatever? Because nobody, and keep in mind, we went to a predominantly white school, right? He's walking around doing these tricks for these people, and they're all there, you know, you know they're all having a fit. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see that? Victor's making things disappear and pulling from behind people's ear and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, get away from me with that mess. <laughs> you know, you know, I ain't trying to hear that, you know. So, but you knew that this dude was serious about magic. He left Delaware and, you know, next thing I know, he's starring in his own shows. So, one thing I can say about him, if if you for folks that are listening, you know, Delaware should be really singing his praises right now for everything that he's done over the last 40 years. I really, I really feel that way. Um, I've been watching from afar. He and I have stayed in contact with each other because we always had a great relationship always. And um, when I approached him about doing our show, you know, he was more than happy to want to come on because exactly what I just said. This guy is one of the top black musicians in the world. The act that you two have, I've seen it, and you guys are fantastic. Okay? You really are. Matter of fact, Victor and I, the last time he was home, the Diamond, did he tell you we spent some time together? And, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out a way because I'm a promoter and all that kind of stuff. We spent the time together. So we're trying to figure out a way to get a show done in Delaware or in this area or a couple shows for him here. So Pete, the homegrown talent can see him before he, you know, bows out altogether. Cause I know he's getting to that retirement age, you know? So, 
um, yep. as far as the magic world is concerned. Everyone needs to see what you guys do at least once, at least, up close and personal. My question to you, um, I'm going to start with Victor, but then I want to know, the The second part of the question is going to be Diamond, your input on the things you wanted to do, and let me and I'll explain right here, Victor. When you start putting your show together, and you started um, figuring out what lane you wanted to go into as far as magic is concerned, because I've been a fan of magic all my life. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I saw David Copperfield live. I was a I was uh, a Henning fan. I you know. I was I, I I used to sit there as a kid and watch the Houdini movie over and over and over again, you know, because I just thought it was so fascinating about Houdini. Um, and I started reading about him. So those type of things, I was always a fan of magic, you know, even up to this day, you know, even with some of the guys that are out there today, of course, David Blaine and all these guys that are out here, you know, everybody has a different lane that they fall into. Um, you know, I watch Penn and Teller. Uh, I've seen you guys on Penn and Teller, you know, so I know, you know, um, and everybody, and I watch all the different musicians and, and all the different things that they do. So when you guys decided, especially you, Vic, let's start with you first. When you decided to put your act together, what made you pick the lane that you went into as far as what you wanted to do as far as magic? Wow, um, because because I, I would say in the, in the beginning it was just seeing the you know close up guy named um, Slidini. It was all okay. coins and, and and stuff. But when I saw, I hear Penn and Teller talking about that guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, they talk about him. I, yeah, I saw Goldfinger and Dove. That's what I knew. Actually, in a gentleman named Shimada, who was also one of my mentors and stuff too. That's when I knew the lane that I wanted to go into. And tell and tell everybody what lane that is. Um, it's it's actually a two part. I, I I call myself an illusionist. Okay. The thing is, I work with animals as well. So, you know, they're normally called a, a dub act. And so I took a dub act as the first part of my piece and then built the illusions around it. So that established the lane that I was in. We were two, two partners that worked together really well. We had um, a sexiness, but blackness about us because I wasn't going to change my culture. And that's the lane that I, I chose and it, it, it fit me where a lot of people thought that I should go. Now, I mean, I had some other things that we were doing before we found what we really clicked with, you know, because I, I believe in trying, you know, things that we never know if it didn't work, you know, wasn't going to work. We try it. So yeah, we just tried. And then after years and actually being in Japan, you know, I come up with an idea, jot it down and run it by her. And she's like, yeah, that'd work, or no, that wouldn't work, and, you know, just built it, you know, so that's the lane that I, I found, so a lot of people call us a bird act. <laughs> okay, all right, and, and Diamond, and picking up on what Victor just said, now, when you 
became, you know, an integral part and you got your walk down, you got all that stuff together, you know, uh, and you started, did you start thinking of different tricks that you wanted to incorporate? And nope. did you put them in? I answered for her, nope. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted, she loved those checks. She loved those checks. So she so, made the money I, disappear. She made the I money mean, disappear. I, I, got, I got mad. I got mad. <laughs> I said, you have to, you have to, you have to do a, you have to See, do a piece. That is not, that is yeah, not happening Okay. At all. Okay. I was the assistant. I was putting everything together. I was off stage doing all of the work so that he <laughs> looked good on stage. That's okay. what it was. And he was like, no. If we're going to be called Victor and Diamond, you have to contribute and you know you want half the money. So you're going to have to go out there and do a trick. So I learned one card trick that we could do like on TV. And I haven't done that in years. And then I learned um, the cut, um, the torn and restored newspaper. I have a solo piece that's about three uh, minutes long for that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we did the zombie. Those are the three things that I do. Other than that, I tell people that I am not a magician. I am the magician's assistant. <laughs> They're always asking me to do a trick. Do a trick. I'm like, I'm assistant. I am that not the magician. Right. <laughs> you know what? Magic was his passion. It was never mine. I love wow. him. I followed okay. him. And I did what I need to do to make him happy. You know, but I also love to perform. And, you know, and we like to get out in front of the audience and entertain them. And that's another thing that we picked up from Go Finger and Dove was it wasn't about the magic. It was about the entertainment part of it to make you entertained and make you enjoy yourself as well as enjoy the magic. So we, we kind of took a little bit from Shimada, which was serious. And we took a little bit from Go Finger and Dove where we play. We actually talk and argue on stage. Oh, yeah, all the time. In the middle of yeah. our performance. All Nobody time. knows it. You know, because <laughs> we don't have this lip thing going where we can talk and, and stuff and still right. have a smile and stuff, and nobody will know. But right, yeah, we, right. we've had serious conversations. Oh, yeah. I, gave, I, gave, I gave her the kids. <laughs> I didn't want them. I thought you were going to travel the world and leave me at home with three kids. No, nope. Not not doing it, but um, magic. I don't really like magic, but wow. I like performing. Um, I don't like practicing, and I oh. think that's why I don't like magic is because wow. I work full time, and then you know, of course, we had the kids, and then when we do four hours of practice, you know, at night, you know, mm. and I don't. I think that's why I don't really like magic but you know like I said I love him this is his passion so I was willing to go along with it and do it and and try to be the best that I could be she liked those checks yeah <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, get the impre- I, I, I get the impression Diamond that you don't like magic but I don't know where I keep getting that from um, so let me, let, me, let me say this to you um, one of the things I always notice with magic acts and so forth I mean you know, when you when you when you look at magic for during our lifetime, um, as far as uh, me and you, Victor and Diamond, you you know, we all came up around the same time. You know, the the biggest name and the biggest personality probably was David Copperfield, right? 
Yeah. Now, what made David Copperfield work was his theatrical performance. He was flawless on stage. I never forget, I went to see him at the Grand Opera House in Wilmington. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, David Copperfield would have specials on all the time, you know. And you'd be, you'd be saying, okay, he ain't going to do none of the stuff that you see on the specials on stage in front of us, you know. And that's what they say about most magicians. You know, you're you're not expecting them to do – I mean – you know, you, you talk about you, you have a bird act and, and, you know, you're waiting, you know, you're sitting there and you're waving your hands and you're doing all this stuff and all of a sudden birds appear and all these other animals appear and you'd be like, where did it come from? You know, that kind of stuff. I know when I went to see Copperfield, I'm waiting. Look, I'm waiting for, I'm looking for strings. I'm looking for all kinds of stuff. I'm sitting up front, right in the front row too. I was like, I'm going to scope this guy. I'm going to figure out everything that he's doing. But he kept you so spellbind spellbound on everything he was doing that you you missed the stuff that you were looking for you know and that's what i always say about good magicians i know you guys i've seen the things that you guys i've youtube you i've seen some of the stuff that you guys have done and i'm just like your your act was clean it was very flawless and you know that's something that you know when you go to broadway you go to Broadway to see the performance of a great uh, play, the the actors and whatever. That's why so many A-list actors go back to Broadway or go to Broadway to perform because that's when you see them at their best on stage. You guys are great on stage. With the chemistry that you have, you know, you you have to. You can tell that you've worked at it to have that kind of chemistry. I understand it's not always perfect. I understand that as a couple, you know, just like most relationships, it's not always good. You know, I mean, that's just what it is. We don't agree with each other a hundred percent. You guys got 41 years. That's, that's a lot of time. Okay. That's a lot of checks that, uh, diamond got to cash. So when you think about that, <laughs> hear that diamond. Um, so, um, when you hear that, what made you decide to keep going? Like you guys started in 1920, 21. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's been 40 years. What pushed you? What made you, what was the desire to keep you guys going all that time? I think it was our family. And, you know, because for a long time, you know, Victor was doing the um, engineering thing and I was doing hair and nails. Uh Oh, Leonard's an engineer major too, guys. Yeah. And then, the magic started making more money, you know, than that. And everybody kept saying, why don't you guys go professional? Why don't you go professional? So we finally bit the bullet and did it. And it was able to pay for our house. It was able to put all three of our kids through college, you know, and we have no bills. Um, but we also have um, something to fall back on, you know, because right now we're not doing a lot of shows, but um, since COVID. Yeah, so because we've had background in doing other things, we were not hit that hard with it. But we just like to perform. You know, it's, it, it is about the money. You know, we want to be paid, you know, comparable 
to everybody else who's doing the exact same time and doing, you know, has the experience that we have. We want that, but we also, um, when we are doing shows now, it's, it's whether or not we actually like the producers. Um, and if we're friends with them, it's not about, you know, doing the match because I need the money or anything like that. Now it's about where do we want to go next? Those relationships and, yeah, we're, have we been there? Right. So you guys would do be open to another resident uh, residency again, right? Yeah, I'm trying to work on it. That's a little hush hush thing because the casino's not built yet. So huh? Okay. On the ground, the ground floor with these people, it's a because it would be a great place, um, for us. So, you know, we we'll see. All right, we dropping bombs, people. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Lynn, you got anything else you want to ask? Yeah. Um. And then I was just in a, another question. Um. Well, and and this can be a yes or no question. Have you done a show for a black audience? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So my my question is. Do you struck would you or do you structure your show for a black audience different than a a non-black audience? No. No, okay, same show. Our show was structured um because we were working so much in Japan, it was structured for the Japanese people. And okay. by that meaning we did not talk, so there was no language barrier. Um and we did things that were visual, visual because they are visual people. And gotcha. So this happened to work out when we actually came back to the states and started doing shows here. You know, everybody's like, "Do you need a, you know, special lighting?" We're like, "No." Do you need, you know, um, any kind of um, microphones or hookups right. or anything? And we're like, "No." You know, you need to hang need, anything from the ceilings or anything. No, we have no wires, no <laughs> nothing. You know, it's a two-person show, and and we structured it like that. You know, gotcha. And, we were doing magic and we were practicing all the time um when the boys would act up and um get in trouble their job was to sit there and critique us. <laughs> <laughs> had to sit there and be the audience and to this day they're like oh yeah mom you're, you flashed and they'll tell me in an odd minute you flashed right here you did that or you know dad i saw how that was done you know so they were our live audience, you know, that we had um, when we were practicing a lot. That was their punishment, was to sit there for the couple of hours that we were actually practicing and um, watch us do magic and then critique it. Gotcha. They didn't. Now, are they interested, are the boys, are any of them interested in magic or want to follow in y'all's footsteps? They were for a hot second, you know, they would learn a magic trick to impress some girl. <laughs> and never do it again, you know. <laughs> the other one that kind of sort of kept with it is um, the oldest twin, um, which is Victor's namesake. Uh, he is doing magic now, but everybody else, they mm-hmm. know a couple of tricks. Um, but like I said, it's to impress some girl. <laughs> That's what they learned the magic for. And of course, you know, they name drop. You know, my parents oh. are Victor and Diamond and, you know, nobody believes them. And, you know, of course, you know, we go through the whole rigmarole of um, people coming over and do something. I remember when Jarrell was in, in college, he called me up. And so I would do something over the phone. 
to to whoever was all there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I mean, that'd be pretty cool to say that your parents are, you know, you know, uh, well, a uh, world renowned um, Victor and Diamond. <laughs> you know, you know, that would be pretty cool. Well, you know, we're going through that now with our grandkids because. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I know Leah told me that not too long ago that she had told somebody when she was at school that, you know, her parents, their grandparents were, you know, magicians and magicians. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, I tell you, I, I'm like I said. You know, I I've gotten to see you guys, and and um, you know, I, I'm a Penn and Teller uh, a Teller um, fan. And like I said, I do watch um, I do watch um, Fool Us a lot. You know, and I do remember when you guys were on Fool Us. You know, and uh, uh. I remember what you told me, Victor. <laughs> you know, about that. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Because I'd be sitting there, I'd be sitting there watching that show, and I'd be like, "They don't know. They, there's no way they couldn't know how that <laughs> trick was done." You know, you know. But they, you know, yeah, they always talk. I was, was going to argue with them. You know, that's the thing. You know, because one, you know, hey, that's right. The black guy arguing with them, you know, on TV and stuff. I, I wasn't going to oh, go Because yeah, you'll be the one that look bad. Yeah. All right. It's going to be you. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to go yeah. down there. So I'm like, hey. Yeah. And you and you guys have had, you guys have a, a personal relationship with them, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, why don't you tell um, our folks, um, you never know, you might be listening because this show goes all over the United States and, um, you know, we we have uh, about thirty-five to forty listening markets, and uh, so we're not just here in Delaware. We're all over. We got people listening in Vegas right now as well. So, um, you, you know, this uh, give your social media stuff and um, how people can contact you for private parties or whatever the case may be for big big stage production. Go ahead and give your information right now. Well, um, really on, because I actually let the website go, you know, because it used to be, you know, victorindiver.com. But um, they can reach me on, on Instagram, um, bcephas1. So B is in Victor, C-E-P-H-A-S, the number one. You know, that would be the um, thing there. I, I haven't, if I get the show that I'm, that I want, I'll post, you know, build the website back up and stop mm-hmm. again. But I've only picked stuff for, you know, because I want it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Okay. You know, distress for it. Um, is there an email? Is um, is there an email address for you? Yep. Matter of fact, email is is actually just almost like the Instagram. bcfus one at mac dot com. Okay. All right. Oh, great. But, great. And it, I think it's back up too now. Come think about it. Um, Victor and Diamond at Hotmail. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, and speaking of, oh, you know, I know you and I were talking about this and um, I wanted to bring this up um, before we go into the rest of our show. Um, You know, uh, as you get to the twilight of your, of your uh, magic career, I hear you got something else going on these days, you know? Um, So a new hustle. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah uh, 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 yes do you want to uh, talk about that a little bit yeah i'll talk a little bit about that 
Okay. I, um, some of my images have won some awards. I am a boudoir photographer as well. And a lot of people who actually know my father, who was a photographer as mm -hmm. well. And I, yep. I, I hated photography with a passion. And um, as punishment, my father used to put me in the dark room with him. So I used to smell all those funky chemicals. Yeah, like, yeah. There's like, nothing worse than that that chemical, man. They yeah. used to develop them pictures. Yeah, nope. I know. I know. I, I hated that, but we were actually on well, one of the trips that I took her on. And I had took a picture with my iPhone of Venice. Mm -hmm. And everyone loved that image. And so um, I met a guy, because um, I was actually working for Apple at the time, met a guy at, at a customer at a store, and he had this neat little camera. And he told me that it was called a Sony CyberShot. It's the only small camera that shoots in RAW. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get one of those. because I, I want to start, you know, taking pictures and stuff. And because um, I had the idea of what I wanted and started taking pictures with that Sony CyberShot, but now I've done moved up to, of course, a Canon RP. And um, like I said, some of my images have won some awards and stuff. So I'm, I love it. It's, it's been, it's, it's, it's awesome. Especially when I take an image and then I show the person what it looks like on the screen, you know, which is in camera and they go, wow, that's, that's not me. I'm like, <laughs> yes, you. You know, they can't mm -hmm. see, you know, like, yeah, the lens don't lie. And once again, I was the original model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like every other weekend, I was taking photo shoots. You know? uh, okay. So, 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 but now, how often do you model for him now? How often do you model for him now? I actually don't model anymore for him because he does have clients and stuff. So, you know, and he's already has, you know, his background and established. But when he was first starting to try to get the lighting and working on the different programs that were in the photography thing, um, yeah, it was every every other weekend. No, not really. So, so sounds like what I'm hearing is that he couldn't do it without you, even no, he because you know I'm very photographic. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is what I. This is where I was trying to get to. This is where I was trying to get to. This part right here. That's what I was talking about right there. You know. So. All right. Okay. Well, and what's the name? What's. <laughs> what's the name? What's the name of of of, of this? Um, Victor. Um, well, it was funny. I I I think it's a neat little name because um I'm I'm getting ready to officially kind of change it. Originally, it's called CSI. Classy, sexy images. Okay. Classy being in Vegas. Remember Vegas CSI? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I'm changing it now because um, an event that I had did, one of the um, other photographers thought, because my business card says Victor, and then CSI on it, and then it has classy, sexy images. So he thought it was Victor CSI. And so I said, okay, okay, so... Basically, on, on the website, um, which I'm actually, I think one of it's still, I'm actually, I'm building a new one right now that has some great new images and stuff on it. So it's going to be classy, sexy images. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. Cool. And, and, and All right. So my Instagram. my Instagram is classy, sexy images. Okay. All right. 
And when you guys get a chance, you might want to check that out because so there's another that's another opportunity for you to uh you know um use the talents of Mr. Victor Cephas there, you know, so um and and, and Diamond assistant. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um all right, so um what we're gonna do now, folks, is that we're gonna go ahead and uh go into a couple stories. Um, you know, we have topics that we usually like to get input from our guests on. So we're going to actually talk about our topics that we had planned for tonight and um, get your guys' input on on what we're going to be talking about, if that's okay with you guys. All right. Um, our first story, um, our first story, um, I actually found found the story uh it kind of popped up on me um and i just thought it was interesting because i wanted to find out what you guys knew about this particular person but the story goes uh america's first black magician has roots in new hampshire Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna read a little bit of the story and matter of fact leonard um Uh there's a matter of fact let's do this there is a video tied to this piece is can you play that video you might have to give me a minute yeah it's right it's it's embedded right in because i think the video would help to um talk a little bit about this i'm going to read a little bit about this while you're kind of queuing that up okay uh it says the magic of new hampshire is most often recognized in the state's landscape but the Granite State also has a lot of magic in its history. Richard Potter was the f- most famous black man in America in the 1820s and 1830s. John Hobson, author of Richard Potter, America's first black celebrity, said. In the early 1800s, Potter, who owned a large estate in Andover, New Hampshire, um, broke down barriers for African Americans and performers. He was a ventriloquist, a magician, a dramatic performer, a singer. He did some song and dance routines. He even had fire-eating tricks as part of his magic show. For some, Potter's mark on history has faded into long lost archives he didn't remain famous in our history because he lived life before there were photographs before there were any kinds of ways of recording what he did um you got you got the video there yep well then we got it ready it's only it's only a couple minutes long so go ahead and play it and let's listen to what they have (laughs) (laughs) get the ad there man i I know so unfortunately, we had to play through the ad, but I'll I'll play through the ad in silence. Okay. You probably... Oh, it won't let you skip it. No. Oh. Okay. That's that's interesting. I, I know I know quite a bit about Richard Potter. Well, don't worry. I was going. I, I know you do. That's why I was going to ask you in a minute. So, okay, here we go. Okay. So we'll we'll start. <laughs> we'll start it now. Okay.
Turn the sound up. Can't hear it, Leonard. See, they, 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 this is what happened when you try to have us do stuff on the spot. Considered America's first black musician, uh, magician rather, and possibly <laughs> first black celebrity. Potter owned a large estate in Andover in the early 1800s, an uncommon feat at the time. Members of Black Heritage Trail gathered in the town to dedicate a new maker honoring his legacy. So he lived here as part of the community, and he totally honoring him changes our perception of what New Hampshire is and who we celebrate in New Hampshire. Black Heritage Trail aims to bring attention to more great black figures in state history. They're hoping to create a trail of markers stretching from ports to the White Mountains and beyond. So basically, you know, I and I'll be honest, I, I've never heard of... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never heard of uh, Mr. Potter. Um, and so I found it fascinating when I saw this, especially when to know how famous he was back in the 1800s. Um, you say you do know about him, Victor. Why don't you share? One, one thing that they left out of there is that they named the town after him, Pottersville. Ah, okay. He was. Okay. Well, tell us what you know about him. Um, that his father was wealthy, uh, who was a white man. And oh, sent okay. him over to England. And that's where he learned his craft at with magic and stuff. And then when he came back, he opened up his, his tavern. And stuff, and that's where he performed and stuff out of. Okay, so now the type of magic that he did, uh, were you familiar with what what he did? Basically, like bar, um, like bartending and close up is basically what he what he did. Besides the ventriloquist. Okay, so he did. So uh, he did close up magic, which is also some sleight of hand as well, right? Right. Uh oh. I hear you. Oh. <laughs> Not on you. So you guys were sitting there. And you didn't look like you were moving there. For a minute. <laughs> I was like, "What happened?" Uh. Um. So that's hey. a sleight of hand as well, right? Uh huh. Okay. Um, Victor, quick question. So ventriloquy is that also considered a form of magic? Yes. Okay. And and can can you kind of explain why that is? Because that that would have never crossed my mind. Well, there's actually um, several. I don't know if I want to call them genres or or, or or what, but several different types of poems. We have close up magic, which is you know normally one two people you know right there, hand manipulation and stuff. Um, you have stand up magic where the like at a, um at a club, you just stand up, you know, 50, 60 people around. Stage magic, which is what I do, and then you have illusions, which is the bigger stage, bigger props. Then you also have 
juggling. You have what's called mentalism. And then you have ventriloquism. Yes. Yeah. When, and basically, uh, no, um, I actually knew someone who, who was very good at, um, who was a very good ventriloquist. Um, and they used to do an act down in Florida on a regular basis um, in the Tallahassee area. And I know this guy would talk to you and throw his voice somewhere else. And you'd be, and you'd think somebody else walked in the room and you turn it around looking and it, it, and it wouldn't be, it would be him, but you would think it was somebody else talking. You know what I mean? And I was like, how did you learn how to do that? And he said, man, he said, you know, he just said that, you know, it was years of practice and, and, you know, you just had to learn how to, you know, is, is any form of magic, you got to be able to present it in a way that you can get people to believe, you know, and, and, and that's what he would do. He just had you, he was so good at what he did. And so, and then, and then I think he started learning card tricks and so forth. And he started adding that to his act as well. So, um, but that's what makes magic. That's what's always made it interesting to me is because if it's done well, then, you know, people are going to buy in. I mean, it's just that way. You know, I mean, whether, you know, and that's why when the show started coming on, where they started exposing the tricks, you uh, know, and they started doing that. How did y'all feel about that, by the way? We know, I, we know him. We knew the guy who was. Yeah. Oh, so you knew him personally. Okay. Yeah, yeah I knew him personally. Yeah. So, was, so how did you feel about him coming on telling all the secrets? Well, me personally, it is because I love the art. So my whole thing with him was you did not have to write to expose stuff that was not yours. Mm-hmm. And came up with the idea, then I say, go ahead, expose, you know, all you want. But, you know, he was exposing stuff that wasn't his. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that, that hurt, you know, a lot of magicians and stuff because they couldn't do those particular tricks because people knew how they were done. You know. Once so. you learn how a trick is done, it is no longer magical. And, and magic it's no longer entertaining for you. And he, I think he just ruined the entertainment factor mm-hmm. of magic and magic shows with exposing on how the things were done. Yeah. Uh, I know the show was kind of popular when it first came on TV. Oh, yeah. But then, when pe- then people started getting mad at him. You know, people so got mad at him. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, the guy who actually was the host of that show, his name was Mitch. Mm-hmm. we actually met Mitch before he became the host of that show he saw us perform and everything so he was a really cool guy and stuff and Val we knew him in the early 80s when he was you know really just an act and stuff and so basically what happened to him was he was working two shows here in Vegas and doing one show during the day and then going over to another place at night doing a show um, here, here's some little dirt for you type of thing then. You know, because I don't, I don't talk to him anymore. So. <laughs> you say you don't talk to him anymore? Uh, he he oh, got okay. sloppy. Okay. He got sloppy at night and stuff. And so 
when we were just an act, I actually knew well, a producer who came to see us. We actually did a show for his best friend. And he told us you had to hire Victor and Diamond. And so he found that we were in town. He came to see us perform. And he told us, after you finish your contract here, I want you to come over here. So that casino was called the Westward Ho. And what's funny is they say, you ain't done Vegas until you did the Ho. (laughs) 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 So we went there, we checked out the show. It was called Hooray America, which we didn't feel that we really fit because of the theme and everything else and stuff. But yeah, we got a chance to see him and we saw what the guy was talking about. It's just that, you know, he was getting really relaxed and sloppy and everything. And um, he did quite a few years not paying Uncle Sam his money. And so then Uncle wow. Sam came knocking on his door and he this job came up. He decided that's what he was going to go with to try to pay back Uncle Sam. So that's why he actually did it. Wow. They were death threats. He wound up getting divorced because the, um, his wife at the time, you know, couldn't handle the pressure and everything else and stuff. Everything. I mean, he his life and they stole his equipment down in Rio, I think it was. You know, so he was trying to get back to the United States, and so they kept all his equipment and stuff. You know, so he did not have um, a good life after he did the exposure and stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a tough way to go. That's a tough way to go. Well, and it's funny because we're talking about this. That leads me into this next story, which uh, kind of this perfect segue here. This next story is uh, called Controversial. If you complain that the Internet is ruining, ruining magic, you're just not all that good at what you do. Okay? So... This is the backdrop and kind of talking about what you just talked about and whatever. It says, I know this is going to piss a lot of people off, but I mean this post as a wake-up call. Hear out my argument. If you still disagree, please comment. I love discussion. Let's keep it good in good faith. When I hear complaints about the internet ruining magic, I notice that the complaints almost always stem from issues of exposure. Although exposure is a genuine problem, it is not nearly as problematic as complainants like to assert. In my experience, exposure, uh, in my experience, exposure only um, affects a performance when the audience knows what you are doing. This um, means that the audience knows that you are about to do a double lift or about to do a tilt, etc. In all other cases, it seems to me that exposure does not actually impact a performance at all. Consider the following example. And they gave this they gave this example. Now I guess you guys will be able to relate to this. I said a while back I was performing, and this is a magician that's that's telling this. I was performing at a party pre-COVID. Sometimes I I am asked what the hardest thing I can do is, and I show the audience undertow. You guys familiar with undertow, right? Or that that you know you know what that is? Uh, I haven't heard that. I mean, because okay, there's a lot of lots of them out there. Okay, 
It says, first, I will show it in the context of a color change. And then I'll turn my back to them and do it again so they can see exactly what I'm doing. I openly and willingly expose the entire entirety of the move. I explain the history of the move and why it's such a milestone for card magicians to be able to consistently perform undertow. If you don't know, it is one of the most difficult card moves to pull off in performance. The angles are insane to learn how to manage, and the move itself feels counterintuitive. However, as soon as I finish explaining the move and its history, I go into a trick that uses the exact same technique. I have never heard a spectator say, hey, didn't you just do that? Like a minute ago, it always seems like the spectators are just as blown away as they would have been had they not seen the exposure. You guys kind of get an idea with what they're saying there. Uh, um, I like that. I like that premise that he that he did. But I, I was going to say, if you if you're good, mm-hmm. if you're good. You can do that. You you know, you can show a move, you know, and explain it and then go ahead and do an effect right with that move and they'll never see it. Right. So you right. can so you can be that good at you know at doing something like that. But the, the difference though is with the mass magician, he used a, a standard prop, and this is where I'm gonna tie it in with the other guy and stuff. So if you use the standard prop, then another magician use that standard prop, the people can see it and then they relate right to it. But if you change the look of the prop and still keep the method, they'll never see it coming. Right. And that's and that's basically what this guy was saying. If yeah. you you know, you could do the same trick, but use a different method or but and they would never know that it's the same. You know right. what I mean? Yep. So but I thought I thought that was interesting because nowadays I don't know if you guys I don't know how often you guys look at magic online, but there's a lot of magicians and especially I don't know are you on TikTok and and no no <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well on TikTok there's one particular guy I see a lot uh, Lender you ever see the guy on TikTok that does all the magic tricks I don't uh, well it looks like illusion like. He he'll he'll be like he'll be sitting there at a table, and then all of a sudden the table looks like it's something else. All of that, you know. You ever see any of this? Uh-huh. And then sometime he will explain how he does the trick. You know, and it's really interesting, and that's where a lot of the people are getting concerned about because What's you got name? a lot of you got a lot of online magicians nowadays who are doing these tricks online and they're saying it's taken away from the purity of the actual magic. Black guy? Huh? Black guy? No, this guy's white. He's, he looks like he's about 40 something years old. I have to send you some, I have to send you some of his stuff. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and there's quite a few magicians on TikTok. Yeah, Believe I, it or not, I'm not a big TikTok person, but 
every now and then I'll, you know, everything is based on algorithms now. So if you go on and you look at one magician, they'll suggest another one and another, you know, that's how it goes now. So, and you, you find yourself comparing yourself to, uh, I mean, comparing the magicians to each other and how good they are at, at the things that they do. There's a female, there's a black female I've seen too. I can't remember her name. She's probably in her early thirties. This girl, I'm telling you, man, is unbelievable. And I got to find, I'll find something to send it to you. But they said that she could be the next big thing. If she's, if she, now she's doing everything herself right now. She's marketing herself and so forth. She's in the Midwest somewhere. Um, and she's, um, but they said that this girl, you know, her, her, she's flawless and she's, she's got that look that you can't take your eyes off of her. So she can get away with anything that she wants to do. Right. One of them type, you know, and she's just got the whole stage presence and she's got, her father was a, a card magician. She said, um, she had an aunt that taught her, um, they used to do bird magic. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the aunt was from um, down south, Atlanta area. Oh. Um, I gotta find her stuff. I gotta yeah. find her stuff, and I'll send it to you. She get my way. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will do that. But I was I, this article intrigued me because I I just wanted to read one of the comments that that somebody sent in, and I thought. I thought this was interesting and then we'll move on. I just, you know, because I know magic is, is, is something that, you know, we'll always be kids. Oh yeah. You know, we'll always be kids and, and you got to have that kid's mind in order to enjoy this type of thing, you know, uh, you know, uh, from our childhood, you know, there's certain things that will always be in our mind. We could be 80 years old and be singing, I'm only a bill. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or conjunction, junction, you know, you know, something like that. What's your function? We'll still be singing that at 80 years old because it's something that came in and we never forgot. Magic, the first time you ever laid eyes on it. I remember the first time seeing you do, do it in that lunchroom, man. I was like... Who is this dude? <laughs> you know, so um, you know, and and uh, you know, but this is this is where we are. But listen to this. Um, let me see. Uh, this comment was. It says, "My main um, issue with this is simple: one, bad teachers teaching badly." And two, teaching other people stuff. To me, it is just a matter of basic, basic decency and respecting the autonomy of others. If they want to keep a secret, secret, let them. So, if a person, if a magician wants to keep keep things secret, then we shouldn't be digging into their stuff. They also said, outside of these, I have no concern about exposure. I tell everyone everything. I don't care. I don't think it's hurting magic. I expose my own stuff mid-performance all the time, and it only makes things more fun. The only way I think exposure actually hurts 
magic is when people expose the secrets of people who are selling their secrets. Then you are messing with their ability to earn a living. I thought that was deep. Yeah, and, and and basically that goes back to what we were talking about, you know, with the mass magician and people like him. You know, so I just thought I'd bring that up and I just thought that was pretty interesting. I, it just kind of popped up on me, the algorithm thing, because I was looking, you know, because I was looking at magic stuff, you know, today and, and then this popped up. So um, I know you guys, um, I know, you know, you get a lot of feedback all the time about your magic. Have you gotten a lot of negative feedback as far as your shows have been concerned? Overall, no. Um, you okay. know, as we work with animals, you know, of course, PETA would come up and say, you know, make comments about the birds and stuff, but we had um, a cockatoo, his name was Pete, and they would come backstage and say, you know, you're being cruel to animals. And they would see Petey on my shoulder, you know, eating and <laughs> getting a, a rub down because he loved a rub down. And, you know, we're like, no, these guys are our livelihood. We would never abuse them. Um, they paid for everything. Why would we yeah. abuse them? You know, our birds and stuff have lived 21, oh. 24 years. Yeah. You're a rabbit. Wow have a, a, a um, lifespan of six to eight years right. and 16 years you know so <laughs> all of our animals are old we retired one rabbit um, and then like died two months later him. he died and we were like okay we'll never retire <laughs> <laughs> you know we were like okay you know you've worked you know 14 years yep. it's time for you to go but I think he just needed that you know stimuli you know, and then, you know, of course, when people are backstage, you know, they're always in there petting them and, and rubbing them and stuff. And, you know, they're really tame. So they were like part of the family. So yep. we, you know, in the beginning, we, you know, we got the fanatics on that. But, you know, once we took them backstage and showed them, you know, our animals and how we treat them and they didn't have any problems with us after that. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. You know, well, this day and age with people and who think their opinions matter matter and <laughs> their opinions at any time regardless of the consequences i think it's it's more prevalent now um than it was when we were you know in our heyday doing the magic full time you know? okay <laughs> all right all right well cool 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 all right leonard um uh... Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about that other story, and then we're going to get some magic. We're going to have some magic done ourselves, right? Yep, that's right. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Go ahead. Yep. So um, I, I just wanted to highlight on this story because this is something that just happened, and um, everyone may or may not be aware of it. But, of course, everyone's familiar with the Tulsa race massacre of, you know, what happened with uh, the original Black Wall Street. Well, just last week, the judge who was hearing their case for restitution um, denied their case and they will not have an opportunity to refile it. So there are currently three surviving members of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Their ages are 109, 108 and 102. Wow. And so un unfortunately, they will not receive any type of settlement of any type 
and this case can never, ever be refiled again. So, you know, of course, a lot of people thought it was a travesty. And, you know, it, it's even a travesty on top of a travesty. One of the things that, um, you know, they said during the trial was that not only did they pretty much bomb Tulsa, but the city, county, state made no reinvestment in that area afterwards. So, you know, it was almost like a war zone that was just left to fend for its own. And they also mentioned that insurance would not cover any of the damages because at that point, um, even though it, it was falsely stated, they considered the Tulsa race massacre a riot and insurance, you know, denied all their claims because of it being deemed a riot. So, you know, long story short, I just wanted to bring attention to this because, you know, I think this was definitely a travesty. You know, I feel sorry for these last three surviving members who will not get to see justice um, in their lifetime. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people are very, <laughs> a lot of people are very upset about this. So, um, but, you know, for anyone, our listeners who were not familiar, I just wanted to let them know that, um, you know, this is happening. So, you know, Dave, Dave, Victor, Diamond, you know, hopefully this is something we can always be aware of. And, you know, even though we know the truth, you know, we, we can kind of keep this truth alive for what we know as well. Well, I, I do know a lot about that particular story. That's mm-hmm. mentioned that. One other thing, just a little tidbit that's in there is that they, um, one reason why also that they didn't get a lot of their money back and stuff is because where do you normally keep your insurance papers at? Right. <laughs> yeah, they all got burnt up, right? House, that's right. They got burnt up and blew up and everything else. So yeah. They had no evidence for that. That was another thing. Sure. That so I, I just thought that that was just complete, you know, don't even give me that going on that road. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I get it. I know. Um, I remember... Uh, did you guys see ever see that series that was on Regina King's series, The Watchmen? Yeah, it, that's what okay. brought attention back to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that series really covered a lot of what was going on there in Tulsa at that particular time. I, I, actually, I applaud them for even talking about it in that series the way they did. But they co- they showed they definitely brought the the attention back to that whole thing. Because of everything that went on in that particular series of The Watchmen. And um, um, it's really a shame. And, of course, you know, um, there's a movie that they don't show a lot because everybody gets so upset when they see it. But you remember the movie Rosewood? Mm -hmm. You know, that was loosely, supposedly based on Tulsa, Oklahoma. No, 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 that's what happened actually in Rosewood. I yeah. know, but they also said that there was some parts of it that came from Tulsa too. I know it happened. There was a town Rosewood. Don't get me wrong, but they said that there was a a part of it that was also looped into the uh, the what happened in Tulsa too. Yeah, um, who was that? Uh, John Singleton talked about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you notice they don't show that movie a lot. Because you, you because it's it's too revealing, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons they don't show it. You know, so 
Um, do you ever see that movie, Leonard? Rosewood? Yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. Oh, and by the way, uh, I have to ask, did you notice how I asked Leonard, did you ever see that movie? Anytime I ask Leonard, had you ever seen a movie? He says no. So he said I yes know. to this one. Okay, all right. So oh, oh, so, okay, so, okay. So now, 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 now Victor comes gotta, from the same, Victor and I now, are the same now, age, so you can't, okay, that, he's, that, he's not going to answer the way you think he's going to answer. That's okay, fine. I'll tell you that, all right? Vic, Victor and, and Diamond, I know you are very dedicated to your craft. You don't have time sitting around watching TV all day. You don't have time sitting around watching movies. You know, so so you know, kind of like I tell Dave, you know, we got a busy life. Dave, no, wait, hold has, on, hold Dave on, has hold seen on, hold every on. TV show, every movie <laughs> since since high school and and before. But you so. got to understand. But you got to understand. We come from a different era where we watch TV. We watch these kind of things. We were very educated people coming up. Mm-hmm. The, the you guys now. There's 20 years between me and Leonard people, so that's why that's why we're having this conversation. He doesn't understand, you know. So thank God I have people on that I can relate to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but anyway, but um, all right. But that Tulsa, that Tulsa situation, um, we hope that there's, I know, I know they said that they would probably never, that they can't revisit it, but, and of course the people that are still alive, they're probably waiting for them to pass. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, they definitely don't have a reason to go back to it, but uh, we need Benjamin Crump over there. That's what we need. We need Benjamin Crump to show up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. All right. So, that with that being said, we are to uh, this is normally guys. This is normally uh, Leonard's favorite part of the show, um, Dave's corner. Um, um, normally, we we I usually ask a question that you know philosophical question and get his input on what I'm asking. But tonight, tonight we're going to turn Dave's corner over to Victor and Diamond tonight. So. What do you need from us? Okay, so for anybody that's out there, you need to have fifteen playing cards. So, and so now, now, do they should it be faced up or face down or? Um, since I'm not there, I want to be face up for you, so you could so you could actually see what's going to happen. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. Any fifteen cards, right? Fifteen cards. Good. Does it matter if the Jokers are in there or not? No. Okay. In fact, Dave, you asking too many questions. They <laughs> <laughs> they asking all these questions. I'm a mute. I'm a mute your uh, mic over there. So, um, all right. well, first of all, you don't have mute control. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how you gonna mute my mic, but I can mute your mic. Okay, so it's it's going to be repetitious what we're going to do. So basically, to get you acclimated for what I want you to do is A, B, C order. So from left to right, one probably one, two, three. So A, B, C. Okay, then you will go back A, B, C until all the cards are done. So basically, if you have 15 cards, all you deal down is three piles. So one, two, three, and just go back and forth until all the cards are all placed down. 
So okay, so I need to I need the leg. Okay, let me uh, get to a surface. I can put put them down. All right, all right, all right. See, Victor, look at all these questions. More questions. Yeah, <laughs> that was a question. That was a statement. No, you you said, do I need to do I need to lay these down? No, I said, let me get to a surface. I can lay them down. Just calm down, man. Just calm down. This is this is this what y'all did on stage? <laughs> Had these kind of conversations? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So with me not being there, I don't know what cards you even selected, chose. I don't know what cards and what piles, anything else like that. But what I'm going to tie this into you is that have you ever been to the a club and on the dance floor possibly one person catches your eye out of all the people that are out there? You ever had that happen to you before? Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. That's the kind of experiment that we're going to do right now. So you got all, all the cars down in front of you? I'm just making sure I got 15. <laughs> and you said it doesn't matter whether they should, they should be face up, right? All yes. the questions. <laughs> you got all so, the look. questions. Oh, man. Anyway, I got them. I'm good. All right. So three piles of five each, 15. So pick up any pile that you want and then just look at one of the cards and see if they, if you know that you notice something about that card. And then remember that card. Okay? Okay. All right. Gather the card up and just drop that on any one of the other two piles that you want. So just drop it on any one of the two piles. Okay. Then pick up the other pile and drop it on top of that pile. Okay. Okay. So now pick those cards up and deal them again down in one, two, three order again. So you get so pick up all the cards and put them in one, two, three order again. Yep. Okay. In order of fives each, right? Yep. Five. Okay. Did you happen to see what pile that the card that you saw before in any of those piles? Yes. Len, did you see one? So I had mine face down, so I did not. Okay. That means you need to turn your face up so you can see. <laughs> see that's why you ask questions. That's why you ask questions. <laughs> yes. You see it? Okay. So pick up that pile. It's you, Dave, too, that you see that your card that's in. Okay. Place that on top again of any one of the other two. Okay. Then pick up the other pile and okay. place it on top of that again. Okay. All right. We're going to do this one more time. So deal them again down in ABC order. One, two, three. Did you see that card again in one of those piles? Yes. Yes. Okay. Pick it up. Place it on top of the any one of the piles you want. Then pick up the other pile. Place it on top. And pick up the cards. So have the cards in your hand. This is where a choice is going to come in. You can either choose to do it face up 
or turn the pack over and do it face down. Okay. You don't have to tell me. It's just your choice, okay? All right. Okay. Here goes. A podcast. That's what we're doing, correct? Yes. We're going to spell a podcast by dealing one card down for each letter of a podcast. All right. Are we using are we using the letter A as well? Yes. Yep. Okay. Use the letter A. A podcast. Okay. So face down, you said, right? Well, no, if if you want to do it face down, you can. So it, it doesn't matter to me. So, no, it doesn't? Nope, doesn't doesn't matter. So you Okay. So I, you just so for us for us that can't figure out it's eight cards. Did you do it, Lynn? Yes. Does the card look familiar? Um so, so I did mine face down. I did too. Turn, turn I, both eight, of them did it face down. Card. Turn over the eighth card. The, that. the one on the bottom. Yep. The last card. The last card. Okay. Does it look familiar? I think I messed mine up. <laughs> no, because mine is different too. Yours is different too? Yeah, we we might did we do something wrong here? Uh probably so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right. so I I do recognize one of the steps I did wrong and I didn't realize until the next step. When you said pick it up and put it on top, uh-huh. I put the whole pile, not that one card. So that, that, that might have messed it up. Correct. Can we go can we go through it again real quick? Sure. Okay. All right. So let me grab. Well, I'll just use the same cards. Okay. All yeah, right. Can you send cards? All right. So three piles, right? Yep. Three piles of five. You deal them down in ABC order. One, two, three, one, two, three. Straight across. And then pick up any pile that, that you want. And just remember, whatever card looks out to you, and you don't have to move it or anything that you just, you see it, close the pile back up. All right. And take All that right, so, and place it on top of any one of the other two piles. So place the, the pile that has the card yeah, in it. Right. It has carded on top of any one of the other two piles. Just one of the other two piles. Yep. I think that's where we made our mistake there. So there should be a pile still left down, right? That's right. Yep. That's what we, yeah, I didn't do that before. Okay. All right. And pick up that pile and place that pile on top of the pile. So we basically what we're doing is burying the, those cards. Okay. So that, that last pile goes on top. Okay. Correct. All right. Now okay. pick up and do again deal one, two, three, one, two, three, right on top of each other. So um left to the right to the right, then we go right back to the last card on the left again. So it's one, two, three, one, two, three. Until you get all five cards placed back down again. Okay. Once you do that, pick up if you if you saw the card and you know already know what pile it's in, then you just go ahead and pick up that pile. If not, go ahead and pick up a pile and look at it. If it's not in the first pile you look at, put it down, pick up the next pile. All right. Pick that pile up that it's in, right? 
and pile it to the, that it's in. Okay. And place that on top of any one of the other two piles. All right. And take the other pile and place that on top of that pile. Okay. Okay. Then repeat the process one more time. Deal them down again. One, two, three, one, two, three. Right on top of each other. Install the card. Appear one of the yep. piles. So you already know where it is. If not, just pick up a pile, look through it, see if you see it. If you see it? Yep. Okay, take that pile, place it on top of one of the other two piles. Doesn't matter. Okay. Pick up the remaining pile and place uh -huh. it on top. Okay. Now here's your choice. Either face up or face down. Okay, once you do that, and the word would be podcast again. So I know now since you know it eight cards. So just deal down eight cards. Ah, I got it. Ah. <laughs> yep. I got it. See? Okay. All right. See what happens when you ask questions, Leonard. <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay. All right. When I figured out you wanted to do a podcast. I said, let me let me let, let me let me do this as as podcast. Yeah. yeah um, that's sort of like uh, the little tricks they used to do. Uh, who was that? David Copperfield used to do on TV, you know, right. where he has you doing the tricks on TV with him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We actually one of those in our show. Oh, you do? Okay. All right. Okay. Show. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. All right. Well, you know, guys, you have been listening to Mr. Victor Stephens and his beautiful wife, Diamond. And they have enlightened us on their careers and magic and a slew of other information. Um, once again, guys, we want to have you guys give your how people can get in touch with you. Um, so um, how can people contact you? Instagram, the Cephas. Um, the Cephas one. And then... Um, my email, bcephas1 at mac.com. Yeah, that's right. That's that right. I never do myself, you know. <laughs> All right. And, um, of course, if uh, your new little hobby, if people are looking to get, uh, you know, yeah. some classy, photographs done. Yeah, classy, sexy images is um, my Instagram handle. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, we definitely want to thank you guys for coming on. Victor, it's always a pleasure anytime we get a chance to talk. Diamond, you're awesome. Uh, you know, I've been hearing about you over the years. It's so nice to be able to get a chance to meet you. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, I'll see you soon in, you know, in, uh, in, in no. Delaware soon. Well, no, I'm talking about I'm <laughs> talking about when you I know, but you're going to come this way eventually sometime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know I'll see him soon. I ain't yeah, talking wow. about that. 
<laughs> well, look, when we when we, look, we had, we managed to get that show going on. Yep. Um, I I was telling Victor, uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Dave Woolley, and you know, I was talking to talking to Dave, and Dave was saying, "I know Victor. He's he's awesome, man. You know, you know." So they've seen you guys before. Dave Woolley has seen your act, so you know. So um, you never know what may happen. Never know. So, um, but hopefully we'll be able to get at least Delaware. We because you got to do a show here. You got to do a show in Delaware, yeah, or at least in the tri-state area. And I know somebody. I know somebody has a nice venue that they can even host a show for you. Okay, that's the guy. That's the guy that's on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother story right there, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you'd be surprised. Look, bring it you on. Don't know, you don't know who you're talking to, believe me. Yeah, I know he's trying to act modest over there, but this guy <laughs> has he he has a he has a campground. Him and his wife have a campground here in Delaware that's black owned. How many acres? <laughs> Thirty-two. Uh, oh, yeah. And it has an activity center and everything there. So you look, you thought you'd be surprised, believe me. Wow. So, yeah. So, but, um, but thank you guys for coming on. We really oh. appreciate it. Definitely and, a, um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it definitely was a pleasure. And, um, you know, keep the magic coming, man. Keep the magic coming, you know, and, um, you guys keep making that magic happen. All right now. Thank you. All right. All right. You guys have a great night. And thank everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning in to News and Trends with Dave Miller. Join us next week for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.